Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. And all week long, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen it, the, the, uh, like the families who take the, the family picture together, they got the matching PJs, right? I love it, man. There's something about it that cracks me up, but I think it's a tradition that I want to inherit for my own family. But all week, as you're on social media, you'll see the family photos, the gifts, the new outfits, the awesome Christmas parties. This time of year, you know, it's just a time for us to be jolly and be glad. And I think we just highlight everything that's going on in our lives because it's this awesome time. And I don't, I don't believe this just happens around Christmas, but I believe specifically around this time of year is when we're most tempted. We make all these posts. We wear our Santa hats. We act like everything's all gravy. Everything's all good. Look how jolly my life is. Can't you see it on my Facebook, on my Instagram? Can't you see how awesome everything's going? But behind the post and behind the filters, we're smiling in the pictures, but if people only knew how bad I've been struggling to find joy in this season. That selfie in my Christmas outfit, it, you know, it screams, I love the way I look, but we're really only posting it just so someone can tell us that we look good so we can believe it ourselves, right? The family photos and the matching PJs, my favorite makes it look like we're all united and we're so happy to be together and we're having an awesome time. But if people only knew how divided we really were right now in this season. Now, I'm not saying all of us find ourselves in this season. My hope is, my hope is that most of us don't. But I think a lot of us are really good at putting on a show and convincing others around us that we're all good, our relationships are great, and we're close with God. We're close with Jesus, doing great with the Lord. When really, behind the filter, behind the post, right, that's not true. And today, as we're heading into 2020 with, with new vision and new resolutions, um, I, I want to take some time to answer this question, how can I become who I pretend to be? How can I become who I pretend to be? Because I think the majority of us in this room, we desire to become all that God's intended us to be. We, we desire to walk in the plans that he has for us. You know, I, I think we desire more for our lives while we're here on earth. We desire better community and fruitful friendships. We desire healthy relationships and healthy marriages. We desire closeness with the Lord. We desire to know more about the Bible. We desire to excel in the things we put our hands to. But I'd like to make the strong and bold, bold suggestion this morning that desire alone is hardly enough to fulfill all that God has for you. I'd even like to suggest desire is not enough on its own. So my title of my message this morning is this, Discipline Before Desire. Discipline Before Desire. Y'all ready? All right, no funny stories to start with. Sorry. Here we go. Y'all get enough of those. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Uh, we just come to you this morning grateful for who you are, thankful for who you are. And Jesus, I just pray that right now, um, God, you would soften our hearts to receive your word. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be here, use me in a divine way, help these people to receive your word in a divine way. 
And I pray that it would be transformational to us. I pray that it would help us um, be formed into the image of your son, Jesus. Let us not just be hearers of your word, but let us be doers also. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm assuming many of you are familiar with the great basketball player, Kobe Bryant, right? We've all heard of Kobe Bryant, also known as the Black Mamba, okay? The Black Mamba. He's a five-time NBA champion, two-time finals MVP, 17-time All-Star, 97 slam dunk champion, two Olympic gold medals, 81 points in a single game. His NBA accolades and accomplishments could go on and on. This dude is in the debate for top three greatest players of all time, depending on who you ask, right? And anyone who is familiar with Kobe knows that Kobe's known for, you know, he, he, he's kind of been branded with this one thing, his Mamba mentality. His Mamba mentality. Kobe is willing to do whatever it takes to win. Like Kobe has this incredibly strong desire to win. I actually pulled a quote from him here. It says this. I've played with IVs before, during and after games. I've played with a broken hand, a sprained ankle, a torn shoulder, a fractured tooth, a severed lip, a knee the size of a softball. I don't miss 15 games because of a toe injury that everybody knows wasn't that serious in the first place. Okay, this dude is, he's all in. Right? Another quote, he goes, people just don't understand how obsessed I am with winning. They just don't get it. He said it himself. He's, he's obsessed with winning. His desire to win is unmatched. His desire to be a winner. He, he desires to be a champion. He desires to be the best. But Kobe has much more than just a desire. I want you guys to check out this video. Personally, I try to commit suicide. I try to cut my wrist. I have this tattoo on my wrist that says believe because my mother's always talked about either if you don't believe in yourself, then who's going to believe in you? Mm. Um, and I think that was one of the benefits of being an athlete that was always overlooked, in my opinion. It forced me to work harder. You know, like I always try to outwork people, right? That's just how I made my mark. So the game was at seven. I was like, you know what? I'm going to come to the Staples Center because we were playing. This one, the Lakers had Kobe and Shaq. Okay, this is, this is like the championship Lakers. So, you know, I'm going to get there at 3 o'clock. I want to make sure I make 400 made shots before I go back into the room. And then I sit in the sauna and I get ready for the game. Who do I see? I see Kobe Bryant already working out. So once I set my foot across that line, I started working out. And so I worked out for a good hour, hour and a half. And when I came off, after I was done, I sat down. And, of course, I still heard the ball bouncing. I look down, I'm like, this guy's, this guy's still working out? So he was working out. Like, it looks like he was in a dead sweat when I got here. And he's still going. And it's not like his moves are nonchalant, <laughs> lazy. He's doing, like, game moves, you know? Um, I sit there, and I unlace my shoes. I'm like, let me see how long this goes. Let's go out there and watch. Another 25 minutes. And he got done. I said, okay, I think I've seen enough. Go play, you know? Come back, get in the sauna, get ready for the game. That game, he drops 40 on us, okay? And after the game is over, I'm like, I, I have to ask this guy. Like, I, I have to understand, like, why, why he, he works like that. Right. So after the game is over, I'm like, hey, Cove, like, why, why were you in the gym for so long? He's like, because I saw you come in. <laughs> and, I, and I wanted you to know that it doesn't matter how hard you work, that I'm willing to work harder than you. Wow. 
you just you inspire me to be better. And it was the first time I started to see this level of competitiveness where I said, I need to start doing more. Wow. But you, you never get better if you're not willing to put in the time. And basketball is very similar to the game of life. There's going to be ups and downs. It's not always going to be easy. There are going to be challenges. There's still going to be curveballs thrown at me. But if you put in the work and you constantly put in the work, that's the only way you're going to grow. Come on, anybody fired up? Let's go. I love it. I, I love that story. Jay Williams, he's talking about it. He goes, man, I come in. He goes, I work out for an hour and a half. I get done. And, you know, he hears the ball bouncing for 25 more minutes. He goes to Kobe, you know, why, why were you working out for so long? He goes, because I saw you come in. And, and I wanted you to know nobody's going to work harder than me. Right? Nobody's going to work harder than me. I have one, one more quote from uh, Kobe Bryant here. It, it says this, I can't relate to lazy people. He says, we don't speak the same language. I don't understand you, and I don't want to understand you. So regardless of your preference towards Kobe, I believe Kobe had this principle figured out. To become great, discipline often comes before desire. Do we think Kobe wanted to stay in the gym for 25 minutes longer than while he was playing? No, but there was, he had the discipline to do so. Now, obviously, Kobe is, you know, he's fixated on his growth as a basketball player. Um, but I think this concept is vital for us as Christ followers. Or for us as a player on Team Jesus. Come on. You guys like that? Let's get t-shirts made, jerseys made. First Timothy 4.8, it says this. You guys have heard me share this verse quite a bit, but it says this. Physical training is good, but training... Training, okay, everybody say training. Training, okay, for godliness is much better. Why? Because it promises benefits in this life and the life to come. Everybody say training. Everybody say work hard. Okay, I, I think desire is a powerful motivating factor, but I've also noticed that desire doesn't always provide enough fuel to get us where we want to be. Anyone found that out to be true in their own life? Like, I really wanted to do it. <laughs> like, I did. I, I, I wanted to do it. I, I think of 2018, because 2019, if I made resolutions, I forgot them, okay? Have some grace for your boy. So I'll talk about 2018. So I remember in 2018, I was fired up. There was a lot of things that I wanted to do. I felt motivated, and I remember I was like, my word for 2018 was stewardship. And, and I had three things, and my faith fitness, and finances, okay? Those are my three areas, my word, stewardship, all these three areas that start with F, I had it, right? And I set three goals, and it was to lose a specific amount of weight, it was to read the entire Bible front to back, and it was to save a specific amount of money. I had the desire to do all three of these things. I was passionate when the year started about achieving them. I was on my way to accomplishing every single one in each one of those areas, and it sounded good, right? faith, fitness, finances, yeah, stewardship, woo, fired up, right? But my desire, my desire was good, but unfortunately, my discipline only allowed me to fulfill one of those three things, which is my business and not yours, okay? In this morning, I want to help you reevaluate, I want to help you reevaluate your desires. I want to help you with your discipline. 
Because I think a lot of us pretend things are as they are not. Write this down, church, if, if you are taking notes. Desire without discipline often tempts us to pretend. Desire without discipline often tempts us to pretend. So I got a couple of points for you this morning. Not normally a point guy, but I figured I'd roll with it. Point number one, we need to identify our desires. We need to identify our desires. We all have desires right now, but ultimately there's two types. There's flesh and there's spirit. There's heavenly desires and there's earthly desires. And, and maybe, you know, we find ourselves in a season of life where we haven't even really been intentional with, you know, channeling our desires. Or maybe our desires have become distorted. But, but I just want to read Galatians 5.17, which kind of shares with us there's two types of desires. Galatians 5.17, it says this, the sinful nature wants to do evil. Okay, so I have a, a nature, I have, I have a nature that wants to do evil. All of us have this nature that wants to do evil, okay? Which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. There's also this, so I have this sinful nature, then I have this spiritual nature. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature wants, okay? So you can see there's this constant battle between flesh and spirit, this earthly and heavenly there's this constant war between the two. It says that these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. Spirit and flesh. So what do the desires of the flesh look like? Galatians 5 continues on, verses 19 through 21. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, here's the results. It says they're very clear. Sexual immorality impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So how, how does this so how does this translate with us? We see some of these words. Maybe we know what some of these words mean. Maybe we don't know what some of these words mean. But, but just to what some of these things might look like in our life, some of these acts of the flesh, some of these sinful nature things, I know most of you are familiar with them, but let's just make it really obvious for the whole church, unfaithfulness to your spouse, physically or virtually, right? Constantly jealous of what others have. These are, these are acts of the flesh, giving vent to your anger, using harsh words, words towards those around you, abusing substances. Are we gossiping about others? Are we mistreating others? And here's the deal, church. I don't think we, we wake up every day and we have the, the thought, today I feel like giving in to the desires of my flesh. That's what I want to do, right? That's not how, that's not how it works. It's a struggle. And the, and the temptation is strong. But we have to understand that misplaced desires can be destructive to our soul and destructive to the people around us. So before we talk about how to deal with these desires, let's identify, so we've kind of identified the desires of the flesh, but let's identify the desires of the spirit. What does that look like? What does that sound like? 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7, it says this, love is patient, love is kind. 
It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud. It does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Also in Galatians 5, we see a breakdown of what the Spirit produces. When we choose the Spirit, when we live a life in the Spirit, we read what that produces. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is this, love which we just identified in our last verse. Joy, right? Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these, there are no such law. Indulge in those things as much as you want. Take, partake of those as much as you want. But here's the deal. I I believe many of us, we want to experience these things. We want peace. We want joy, right? We we, we want to be kind. We want to be patient. We we, we want to do all these things. We want our life to be full of goodness. And, And we know that all these things make up the very nature of who God is. And we want to be like God. We want to be godly. Does anyone not want to be godly in the room? Okay, I'm glad to not see any hands. See, I tricked y'all. Y'all never raise your hands, but so I used it against you, okay? Come on. Seriously, this is godliness. But what does 1 Timothy 4, 8 say about godliness? Physical training is good, but training for, say training, but training for godliness is much better. Timothy's implying here, this might take a little bit of work. This might take a little bit of discipline. But training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. Did y'all know that training for godliness, it promises benefits in this life? Like it promises benefits in this life? What's in this life? My family, my relationships, my, my career, everything, everything that's in my life, it promises benefits in this life, my, my emotional state, right? My, there, there's so much that's in this life. It promises benefits in this life, but also in eternity, also in the life to come. That's good news. So now we've identified earthly desires, heavenly desires, right? The desires of the spirit and the desires of the flesh, but this still doesn't solve our problem. Why is it so difficult to live with authentic godliness. Why, why is it so hard for us sometimes? Because like I said, I, I think a lot of us, including myself, oftentimes, I have the desire to live a godly life. I have the desire. I want to do it, right? We, I, I desire to please God. I desire to grow in my relationship with him. But, but if I could just be honest, I, I just, you know, I, I think a lot of us even me still growing in some of these areas, I don't know if we've developed the discipline to live godly lives. Like, I just don't know if we've trained. I don't know if we've developed the discipline. We have to train in godliness, just like any other training. But Pastor Mark, sometimes I just don't feel close with God. I just don't. Or or I don't feel like doing the Christian thing. It's just want to, you know, and that's where our discipline comes in because we love God, right? We love God 
and we trust his word is true, and we, and we trust that training and godliness promises benefits in this life and the next life. Here's the deal, church. If, if we could detach from our feelings, right, if we could, regardless of how we feel, live it out, right, I, I think that we would experience God in a way that we never have. I think growth would, spiritual growth would take place in us in a way that it never has before. Point number two. We have to develop our discipline. So identify your desires. Two, we have to develop our discipline. I feel like especially with social media, it's so easy to portray things as though they are not. It's so easy to make things look like, like as though they are what they're just really not. And, um, you know, this is... <laughs> I think about, you know, let's just talk about physically, right? So if you're going to meet up with me in person, you're just going to see the way I look. I can't hide it. We're face to face. You see it. You know, it's like this is the way I look. But on Instagram, Facebook, social media, if I can find the right lighting in my house, right, if I can get the camera set up just right to get my angle and, and maybe throw in a, you know, sprinkle a little Photoshop on there, Pastor Mark can look like Dwayne The Rock Johnson if I want to, right? I mean, come on. What do you think? Come on, can we have fun in church? All right. All right, take that down before someone takes a picture of it. But if I really... Here, but here's the deal. But in real life, in real time, without hiding, without pretending, right? If, 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 I, if I really wanted my body to look that way, right? If I really wanted to be built like the rock, I would have to put in some serious work. It would take some serious discipline, it, right? It would take some serious training, but, but I think it's so easy to get on social media and, and we throw on this facade or this false image of, of who we are or how we feel or how life is going. And, and we've basically been deceived into believing if we can get people to believe, maybe I don't necessarily, but if people believe I'm happy, I'm fit, I'm secure, I'm handsome, I'm pretty, I'm good, my, my relationship's good, my marriage is good, if we can get them to believe or, or better yet, I can get y'all to believe I'm close with Jesus and I'm good with Jesus, then I must be doing okay. If other people think it's true, then maybe I'm good. And I think we've been able to make it appear that things we desire, and we make it appear that we have things we desire without actually having the discipline to have those things. But church, let me tell you this. Godliness isn't something we can just get from desiring it. It isn't something we can just get from desiring it. Godliness takes discipline and training. Anyone want to be godly in the room? Like I want, I want my nature to be like the Lord's. And I think that's why so many of us, we get frustrated. Like, God, I want to be close with you. I, I, I want to live the way you've called me to live. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want all of it. I want you. And if, and if I could just be real with y'all, it's not hard for desire to dissolve. 
It's not hard, especially with this war, this battle of flesh and spirit that we're constantly fighting, we're constantly in the middle of. It's easy for a desire to dissolve. But here's what I found. Discipline successfully sustains desire. Discipline helps to sustain desire. If I'm disciplined, meaning I, 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 I make efforts even when I don't feel like it, even though I, I want this, I just don't feel like it in this moment. If I'm disciplined, I can still carry the desire I once had even though I'm not feeling it anymore. Does that make sense? Discipline sustains desire. Be, because you didn't start acting on fleshly desires because all of a sudden you hated God right, and you wanted nothing to do with them. That's not, that's not why I end up choosing my sinful nature. That's not why I end up choosing my flesh. More likely, you desired God, but you weren't disciplined. So what does it look like? What does it look like to be spiritually disciplined? So in point two, I have three mini points, okay? So don't lose me. Note takers, I'm helping y'all stay organized here. Mini point one. What does it look like to be spiritually disciplined? Point one, private spiritual life is louder than our public spiritual life. My private spiritual life, aka stop taking a picture of that you're reading the Bible. Don't send me a picture of the Psalms. Don't post it on your Instagram. Read it, okay? Read it. Matthew 6, verses 1 through 6, it says this. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others for you will lose the reward from your, hev- from your father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. He says, I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they'll ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything, he'll reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues. I don't know if I've ever had a problem with my church member praying too loud on the street corner. But nonetheless, here we go. Publicly on the street corners and the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But, but here's Jesus' instructions. He says, but when you pray, go away by yourself. Get off the Facebook status. Get off your Instagram story. Get off Twitter. Quit calling all your friends to tell them what you're praying about right in this moment. I'm not telling you to not share those things. I, th- I think they are. But is our private life louder than our public life? Are we getting alone in our room, shutting the door behind us, Right? and praying to our Father in private. He says, when you do that, then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Is your private life louder than your public life? And write this down if you're taking notes. We can know if our pursuit of God is pure if it's as passionate and private. I remember I got convicted. I've shared this story with a couple of friends, but I remember, gosh, this is probably like, four or five years ago, I can't really remember, but we're going to a small church in Highlandville, and on Sunday mornings, when we listen to worship music, how would I worship? In my life, right? I'm all in. I'm 
dancing, my hands are raised, I'm praising God. And not that it was inauthentic, that was just, but the only time I ever praised God that way was on Sunday morning. And I was praying in my private time. I was reading my Bible in my private time, listening to worship music in my car. And literally, I remember the Lord convicted me in my room while I was just seeking him and said, why do you worship me like that on Sunday, but you don't worship me like that in your room? Living in my parents' basement at the time, don't judge me, okay? So I remember, I, I, you know, my Bluetooth speakers, you guys hear me talk about it every once in a while, I crank those bad boys up. And in my room, by myself, I said, God, I'm gonna praise you like it's Sunday morning. Because our private life needs to be louder than our public life, right? Sometimes now I'm even driving down the road, I'll have one arm raised out the window. Right, God, if, God, if I'm gonna praise you like that on Sunday in public, I'm gonna praise you that way in private. And when we are pursuing him in private, then you can trust that you're training in your godliness, okay? Mini point number two, we have to be intentional with our thoughts. We have to be intentional with our thoughts. Romans 8, 5, it says this, those who are dominated by their sinful nature, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Could it be that our thoughts, what we choose to focus on, what I choose to fix my thoughts on, actually dictates decisions that I'm going to make. Philippians 4, verses 8 through 9, it says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Like that word, fix your thoughts, to me, that, that's an action verb. That's me taking initiative, right? It's not saying, allow magically your thoughts to fall into your brain. It doesn't, I got to do it. I got to fix my thoughts on him. I have to fix my thoughts, my eyes, my heart, my mind on the things of the spirit. Okay? Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is honorable. Fix your thoughts on what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Think about a dog right now. See, you have the ability to think. You have the ability to fix your thoughts, to fix your focus. Aaron Martin just started focusing on a dog. Some are a little slower. That's okay. <laughs> but we can all do it. I love you. Keep, and, the, and then he says, verse 9, keep putting into practice all you learned. Putting what? Practice? Practice? Practice it? That, that's a verb. That's an action. That's training. Put into practice all you learned and received. Church, are you practicing? Are you training? Are you fixing? Are you focusing? Are you choosing? Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Could it be that the more disciplined we become with our thoughts, if we become intentional with our thoughts, then we'll actually, our actions will also be more disciplined. They'll follow. Mini point number three. Commit yourselves to spiritual disciplines. And I'm not going to go really on a rant about this and, and, and go crazy here. I think it's common sense, especially those who have been in the church for a while now. Um, but if we're not reading, 
continuously, if we're not praying continuously, like these should be daily activities. This is happening every day. My iPad turned off and got a mind of its own, and so I got to get back to the page that I was at. Look at your neighbor and say you look good. Worshiping, prayer. You know, in, in January, we'll, we'll announce this at the end of service, but we're going to you know, we're going to have a 21-day fast. And like church, so bad. Fasting has been so fruitful. And I'll, and I'll talk a little bit about that maybe next week, maybe share some of the testimonies. But like, like the reason Abigail and I are, are, are even at this church is because we prayed and we fasted. Like the things I've seen God do through prayer and fasting is crazy. And, and, and as January comes up, what an incredible opportunity to, to practice our discipline, to spiritually train. Like I encourage everybody in the room, when we do our 21 days of fasting, give something up that hurts to give up. And say, God, I'm training. I'm getting big for you. Jesus, let's go. Kim, you can come on up if you don't mind. These have to become common practices in our life. Point three, my last point. Desire plus discipline will equal godliness. 1 Timothy 4.8. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. I really believe that the majority of us in here, we desire a, a real relationship with God. We, we desire to live lives that are entirely and totally led by the Holy Spirit. We desire to be transformed by his Holy Spirit. But maybe you find yourself in the room just a little frustrated maybe because you've desired it for a while now, but you haven't seen it really come. You, you haven't seen it taking roots. You haven't seen it pan out. You haven't seen the spiritual growth come to fruition. And I'm here to suggest that maybe you haven't seen the personal growth simply because we're just being spiritually lazy. I know, like, e even still, like, I, I have weeks where I'm like, man, God, I don't, I don't think I spent a whole lot of time with you that. Uh, I don't think I trained very well this week. I don't think I trained very well to be who you're calling me to be. Maybe some of you are like, Pastor Mark, that's not very nice. But I promise you, if you read the New Testament and you wrote what Paul wrote, who wrote many of the books in the New Testament, if you read the New Testament and you see what Jesus said, right, you'd see that Paul said harsher things than I did. You see that Jesus said what... what would probably offend you worse than I said, right? But, but they're not saying these things because they like being harsh and they want to make you feel bad. They're willing to say these things. Pastor Mark is willing to give you the, this push. I'm, I'm willing to, to, to try and push you into this, to help you step into this. I want to step into it myself because I love you and I want to see all that God has for you just like them. They wanted to receive... They wanted people to receive all that God had for them. Church, be encouraged that God loves you so much. He gave himself up for you. And, and I don't think the question in the room this morning 
is does God still love me? Like, is he still there? I think the, I think the better question is, are we passionately pursuing him? Are we pursuing him? Do we deeply desire a relationship with him just as bad as we want to feed our family, just as bad as I need to go to work, right? Do I deeply desire to know him, to love him, to have a relationship with him just as bad as I want to find that spouse, just as bad as I want to be a a good dad? And, And granted, I think all those things are worship. I think all those things are tied in, but sometimes I think we just, he becomes secondary, Are we passionately pursuing him? Do we passionately want to know him and love him and serve him and submit to the things he's called us to submit to? And his word says, and I believe his word's true, if you seek me, if you seek me, another action verb, another me taking a step, another pursuit word, another training word, if you seek me, you'll find me. Are you looking? Are you looking? Are you, are you digging? 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. And, and I want to challenge you guys as we go into this last song of worship. I, I, I want you to search your heart. Search your heart. Reflect on what we're talking about. Has your journey been all desire and no discipline? Has it been all desire and no discipline? And and maybe that's you. And if it is, let let me tell you that this morning can be the morning you decided, you know what? I'm going to start living with this mindset that I'm I'm going to train to be who God's called me to be. I'm going to passionately pursue him. God, I, God, I'm sorry. I haven't done a great job loving you. I haven't done a great job pursuing you, but I'm ready. I'm ready to love you violently, viciously. Seek after all that you have for me. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. Okay? Training starts today, y'all. Jesus mentality. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.